What's up, guys? John Sintes here with the Cutter Nation podcast. Coming at you guys again, I got another awesome guest off Instagram. Cole Newell of At CN Pitching is my guest today. But first, you know it. Check out my online store. I got new Queso Nation shirts that just came out. I got my hats. I only have four left on my hats, so get them while you can. You can get anything on there. You can get dry fit. You can get J-bands, weighted balls, floss, flush bands. You can get... Let's see the the body blade ish the body the shoulder tube whatever you call it for most specialties. I love those guys. Shout out to them. Uh, you can get a lot of new stuff on my site. You can also sign up for my summer training if you're in the San Diego area, as well as my online training. Um, but without further ado, Cole Newell. Cole, I appreciate you coming, taking a little time out hey, of your no day. How's it going over there? Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, just enjoying the weather out here in the Midwest. I mean, we finally got that weather here, so. I know you're out there in the West Coast enjoying it all year round. So oh, it gets a little chilly down here. You know, it's <laughs> it's not too bad. You know, it's not it's not a Midwest snow, but you know, it'll get to it, it, it's gotten to 30s over here, 30s and 40s. It's not, right. but I know that's that's a summer breeze for you guys. You know. Yeah, yeah, we're we're in shorts and t-shirt in the 30s. So <laughs> solid. Okay, so where introduce yourself? Tell everybody where you're from, yeah. how you got your start. You know, uh, you know, I want to help bring some. Um, some light to your page because your your Instagram page is one of my it's one of my favorites, man. Because every time you post yeah, for sure. what your most recent you know pages, yeah, for of sure. Of course, my internet's been crazy. Go ahead. No, you're good. Um, so first name's Cole, last name Newell. Um, I played four years college baseball. Uh, started in uh, NAIA level, and then um, was a freshman number two, and I decided that I needed a change transferred to a division two school in Emporia State here in Kansas. Um, my first year I ranked like fourth in the nation. So I'm a big upgrade for myself. Always figured, you know, I, motiv I was a self-motivator. So I definitely had that motivation to be the best I can be on and off the field. So um, just a pitcher. Um, I wanted to play third and short, but obviously I wasn't big enough or couldn't hit good enough. So I decided to just to stick with the pitching and the reason seeing pitching came up was I had a lot of people here in Kansas were asking me like, Hey, are you doing lessons? Are you doing, you know, workout plans? And cause they knew who I was a little bit about around here. They knew, um, I kind of played at a little a good school here in Kansas. So they, uh, a lot of people were asking me about workouts. So I send them, they're like, wow, this is really good. I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot. I'm like, okay. And then it just more traffic started coming. I was like, when I, I just have a place where I can send these people to check out stuff. And as a high school student and player, I was, I didn't have anybody to help me. I was more of a self-taught pitcher. So anybody that could give me the information uh, for free, cause I had no money, I, I uh, definitely digged it. So that's why I kind of throw stuff on my Instagram page. Um, we're starting to get to the point where we are selling some things, whether it's a full workout plan. Um, but from there, I mean, it's all golden so far. That's cool. Uh, what part of Kansas are you on? We're in Kansas City, so uh, we got that big area. Uh, baseball definitely picked up around here once the Royals won. So it's people are, you know, enjoying the game a lot more. Soccer's big around here too. So um, trying to stick with the baseball stuff. That's super interesting. I actually played a summer in the Jayhawk League over in Wichita, and uh, okay, yeah. And so I'm very. Familiar. I still have some good friends and, and uh, my host family that were over there. It was I really enjoyed that area of Kansas in the summer. Even being in like liberal. I don't know if you've ever been to liberal. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, I remember nowhere. playing. 
Yeah, I remember playing in Liberal and seeing a slaughterhouse beyond left field as well as what looked like tornadic activity. Yeah. And then uh, for some reason, I was supposed to believe this person who said, no, 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 we're like 10 miles away. We're safe. Right. And I just <laughs> immediately did like a math problem of like, I don't know, tornado traveling at 50 miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, how quickly does it get here? Uh, too fast. So let's get out of here, you know? Yeah, they um, here in Kansas City, we're pretty fortunate. It's a little hilly up here and a lot of rivers. So tornado, uh, tornadoes don't happen as often. I live kind of south of the city, so we're a little flatter there. We've been getting some tornadoes lately, so. So are you closer to Missouri? No, no, no. I'm so I'm on the Kansas side. I'm on. So there's Kansas City, Missouri, Kansas City, Kansas. I'm just south of Kansas City, Kansas. It's all oh, one. Okay. It's the same place. People are like, you're yes. not from you're not from uh, Kansas City. You're from you know blah blah blah. And I'm like, no, it's all the same. It's so it's a metro, <laughs> you know. You know. I don't know what podcast you listen to, but I heard on Rogan the other day and he was just talking about how we need to get rid of state lines because it really isn't that big a deal. And right. How things are going to agree with that after coming from the East Coast and coming over to the West Coast. Mm -hmm. You know, it is a different region, but we're, we're all on the same mission. You know, we all just yeah. want to live and have fun and, you know, do what we can, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, I mean, most of those laws, not to get politically or anything, but a lot of those laws are fairly similar in most states. So at this point, we're all, you know, under one. So that's my opinion on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. It's, you definitely got to do what you can to uh, yeah. not rock the boat, I guess you could say. Like, For people sure. get a, every time someone gets political on me, and depending on what's going on, what they're talking about, I immediately divert to the closest uh, baseball game that I right. saw. Like, well, you know, the Yankees and Sox played, and uh, that was a good series. You know, it, it was yeah, a good yeah. one. Really, yeah, I just, just, was, I just saw the Yankees on Friday night, so they're here in town. It was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I'm, I got some uh, list of some teams when they come down here to, to San Diego. I'm excited yeah. to see. I got to see I got to see Harvey right before he got traded, and he gave up a bomb. Dude, and I was man. like, oh, no, not it's, Maddie, dude, not Batman. He's still chucking it, but his, his, his head's in the wrong area where he, when he was in New York, so – for sure. Well, and I'm happy he's in Cincinnati. Seems like he had a clean slate, you know. I don't know right. if you ever heard. This should be interesting. Um, did you ever hear what he did um, when he had his Tommy John? No, I did not. So this could be absolutely ridiculous, but I, I'm pretty sure I read an article on um, Derek Jeter's uh, The Players' Tribune, mm -hmm. and apparently he went on a sabbatical because there's that time frame after your rehab. Yeah. Or what um, what that time frame is because I didn't have Tommy John. I had what doctors consider was much worse. But um, there's like a three month window where you can't throw, but you're healthy, and so right. you you have to just kind of wait it out. You can keep training, you have full functionality, but your lig your ligament is not ready to be put under that stress yet. You need you need to wait some. And so I guess I want to say he went to like Cambodia or something like something sabbaticalness where he took a train i think i'm pretty sure he took a nutritionist and a trainer i think that's what he did and who knows about the nutritionist or whatever but he went somewhere where he could walk down the street and no one would mess with him and he wanted to feel invisible and he really wanted to have like a very you know introspective trip so he could really mm -hmm. get figure out why he was playing if he wanted to do it you know what was the purpose behind everything to do there and then um 
you know, I just found that super interesting because that's just not a very common practice with a lot of ball players. Everybody's go, go, go. You don't really, the mental game, I believe, is the biggest weakness of, amongst uh, ball players. Um, and it's very hard to develop. You know, you can't really give somebody confidence. Even when you tell someone, you know, fake it till you make it or, you know, you want to be a confident ball player. I believe confidence comes from success and success of could be a, a completely different, you know, uh, opinion on certain things, you know? Yeah. For sure. So yeah, you, that, um, that's pretty interesting. I, I didn't I didn't read that. I might have to go check it out here in a little bit. So that's yeah, pretty funny. I mean, I've been around guys that had Tommy John, and um, that's kind of how I got a lot of, like, my workout programs and throwing stuff is from those guys that had to go through that stuff. And I'm luckily I didn't have to have it. Um, I was almost borderline. I felt something, so – but we're um, we're healthy now, so that's good. Yeah, so that, that, that's interesting. So you, you made it unscathed. You're one of – did you have any injuries at all? Um, so what they diagnosed me with, I think it was my junior year, uh, we had a trainer from San Diego State. He just got hired on for our team, and I was like, "Sweet, I'm gonna." This guy worked with a bunch, you know, Aztecs guys, and well, he probably learned more than anybody I've probably been around uh, for the physical training part. So I was with him. I was like, he stretched me out before every every time I threw, whether it was a bullpen, a scrimmage, game, whatnot. And I'm um, in the fall ball. You know how it is. You know, 12 months of the year, man. You're you're uh, you know you're grinding. So. I started feeling some pain right above my back elbow. It was lower tricep. It was tricep tendonitis. Um, so what we did was we, you could actually feel the tendon bubble up. So we, uh, where you see like, you know, where the guys are scraping their muscles. So I did another aspect of it. I just used basically a lacrosse ball. And then once I do that and soften it up, he would go in there and it'd be a deep tissue massage. Um, nothing ordinary, um, unordinary or anything, but, it was uh, pretty interesting. That was the first time I've ever faced any injury, whether it was arm, body, anything. So I was like, this sucks. I want to get me back on the field. And after I started to get healthy, I just incorporated that stretching and warm-up into my body because I did not want to face that again. And it kind of set me back where if I had most of that fall where I wasn't injured, I, I mean, I'd probably get a little more innings. So, but um, no, no regrets for me, but the uh, – that's why I'm teaching younger kids not to throw a you know hard slider curveball until they're really old enough. The ligament doesn't really develop until they're probably 18, 19, 20 from the research I've done and an article I wrote on Tommy John. But they, it really just depends on the kid, and it's it's hard to see those kids. I, I have a friend who's a trainer, and he's had three kids that are under 17 that's had it already, and I'm like. That's unbelievable. Under 17, you've already had Tommy John. Yeah, I haven't graduated is, high school yet. Yeah, that, that is crazy. I, I totally hear you on that. The um, So with that, first of all, the technique's called the grassing for the guys, for the people at home, if you want to do some Googling. Uh, it's G-R-A-S-P-I-N-G. It's an awesome technique. I'm a big fan of grassing and ART release and stuff like that. Um, that's a, you know, it's crazy that you had that. I feel like I had a form of tricep tendonitis uh, when I was in school. I don't know if you know this, but I actually broke my elbow with an invulsion fracture my senior year of college um, and had two different doctors tell me I'd never throw again. And, um, you know, which learning about it now, it's more about them covering up their side because if they say you can throw, 
then you'll misconstrue it as a, uh, you'll come back fully, you know, and I just didn't really accept it when they told me that because the more I thought about it, it was just a bone. Um, And Mm -hmm. so as we went through the process, it turned out to be this giant delayed process with all of these issues of scheduling and this and that. And so, you know, first surgery, they put two screws into my elbow to stabilize the joints who would finish healing. And uh, it did. And then we came back later and then I was still having pain, but in a new area and uh, ended up getting diagnosed by a former trainer uh, buddy of mine who's a CrossFitter now and was talking about how it was a um, it was a nerve issue, Um, not like thoracic outlet syndrome, which is very popular today, but a a result of the uh the uh the trauma to the elbow when i actually broke it so apparently when you have big issues and breaks like that your nerves can create scar tissue and freak out on you and that's kind of what happened with me so they had to go back in a year later and do an ulnar nerve transposition which is moving the the funny bone out into a little less stressed area and from there i really it was really smooth sailing for there so I, i was you know making a full comeback was not an option you know i mean not making a full comeback was not an right, option. That's, exactly. that's what i was doing from there so <clears throat> i'm familiar with you on the rehab and the stuff from there and it was uh i do remember specifically um pointing to the back of my tricep which is interesting which is you know for people that don't think tendonitis can get worse i'm an example of <laughs> of that situation and and you know you hear a lot of people talk about rest and stuff like that now did you how did you attack your original issue when you had it? Did you do the, you know, the two weeks off uh, or did you start, when did you start the grasping process? Right. So once I started feeling a little bit of pain, I was like, okay, no worries. I'm gonna go ice it after practice. Um, went back in there. He's just like looking at it. He goes, okay, you know, it's a little inflammation, nothing, no big deal. I'm like, okay. So I kept throwing on it. Once I got to the point where like, dude, I, I can't throw. This hurts pretty bad where I'm not someone who's like, I feel a little bit of pain. I'm going to stop. I'll go until I literally can't go anymore, and I, I couldn't. So uh, we took off about – I didn't take off for very many days because I couldn't, you know, lose – I wasn't, you know, a high recruit. So I couldn't lose those innings that were being thrown in inner squad or in a fall ball game. I couldn't lose those opportunities. So I took – over the weekends, I would just rest. I'd go to the gym and just do literally, like, la- I mean, a tricep pull-downs with a band for, like, about 30 minutes just stretch it out and trying to strengthen it as fast as i could um but it, it was probably three four five days that's including a weekend off so probably i was in practice and i would toss really lightly and there's a few days i took completely throwing completely off because i was in the training room getting treatment and two weeks probably would have been better <laughs> but i just couldn't afford to lose those opportunities on, on the field so yeah, I think that's something that's different about today's generation. The, um, But I think that it, it's different, not in a good way or a bad way. I think it's just different. I think that the level of information awareness nowadays, you don't really have, uh, at least for the people that I know. I have clients that I tell them all the time, if you feel something, I, I need to know. Like, I, it, so, I've been through so many issues. I had a kid, let's see, he was a new client about three weeks ago. First session, everything went well, didn't have too much high intensity stuff. Second session went real well, got some high intensity stuff. When he left, everything felt good. He didn't feel tired, no sore or anything. But when he woke up the next day, had a massive uh, knot in the in, in between his shoulder blade, and he's 12, doesn't really, and he's very pliable, doesn't really know what to do. Like the first right. time he's ever felt something, but also the first time that he's actually actually tried to throw hard 
for a significant amount of time. So he came, I told his dad, hey, come in at this time. It'll take 10 to 15 minutes to get him kind of warmed up to feel good. If, if he responds well, which I hope he does, then you know we're on to something and let's continue that process but if he's not and and that continues for a couple days then we should probably you know go get him checked out but for the area that he was pointing it was such a meaty area it wasn't a, a a red flag area as we would maybe you know front of the shoulder back of the shoulder you know elbow wrist something like that it was it was you know a typical pitcher's knot where a 12 year old you know hasn't learned that that's normal you know you got a lot of these kids that don't realize you know, your body has uh, reactions. If you go throw 100 pitches, your reaction to you throwing would be your body having a buildup of lactic acid and some other things to that, that are going to slow you down uh, as a result of that. So, you know, it, it's very interesting hearing uh, other people's opinions and stories from there and trying to put them together, you know? Yeah, I think uh, – so the guys I work with, I tell them – you know, whether you're in a game or I'm not there, kind of exactly what you tell them, let me know. A lot of the – so I've been umpiring for 10 years. I started when I was 13. And I – the reason I started seeing pitching, I kind of like didn't remember this when I was telling them uh, introduction. But the reason I started this is because as an umpire, I'm in a league that where it's not like super competitive baseball. I'm seeing coaches teach these kids how to incorrectly throw baseball how to it's okay to throw 100 pitches they think at a certain age they go off those charts that are completely wrong because i've seen them on the uh, fences on the fields that it's okay to throw this amount of pitches in a certain amount of days well i'm seeing kids come off the field holding their arm and you're like where's the uh, education these coaches uh, i think that one of my goals is to start an educational program for these coaches in this league so that they understand that they need to so throw a certain amount of pitches in a week, not consecutive games. They need to properly take care of their arm before and after a game. Uh, obviously, there's an age barrier there. When, I, when you're nine years old, you know, you don't really need the pile care a 18-year-old would need or a you know a 15, vice versa. The the education for these coaches, uh, being around, I'm sure California, you know, that's baseball. That's where players are bred. But here in the Midwest. We don't get the winners to be in uh, to be outside. So these kids are thinking, oh, since I'm inside in close quarters, it's okay to keep throwing, since we're not throwing long toss or very far. That they, it's okay to keep throwing. But like I, my point, I kind of fell off track. Uh, the point is, the Royals won the World Series in 2015, and baseball started to blow up here. And these parents have just started watching baseball probably in the last three, four or five years. And they're listening to the announcers talk about it when themselves, they haven't really been in it to play college ball, high school ball, even um, some pro ball. These guys never experience what it's like to take care of their body for a full season. So that's my goal is to educate these players. But getting back to the injuries, it's tough to see somebody who has talent at a young age and then they you know they hurt their arm from throwing a curveball at 11 years old and i kind of my whole idea is to throw change-ups rather than curveballs i know you work with cutters and i threw a very crappy cutter but the whole idea it's not like a curveball where you're snapping as violently as 
let's say, you know, a change up the cutter. Um, I know my slider was pretty violent, so I, I that's probably the cause to my tricep tendonitis. But the it, injuries are not fun, and I try to educate as many kids as I can. And I think it all comes down to just being uneducated on the field and training. And just from there, I mean, what is what is your take on that? Like the plyo for an eight, a certain amount, of, like nine years old, ten years old, or you know, from there, younger ages. So I I really like I actually try to create a um, a habit. I want to create an early habit for some of these young kids that I'm doing okay. that I work with. So with a lot of my kids, before and after every lesson every game, every practice, any training session, mm-hmm. I want them to create the habit that they start and end with bands. That way right. that it's just it's just a habit. It just, you know, I've got, I, I had a parent, I had a kid that been working with for a couple weeks, uh, probably a month or two, and just really went up in his ability of throwing the ball, understanding what to do. He's very, he's very uh, advanced in what his body is doing at, at 12. And his dad was telling me that from the very first session, I got through to him that he starts and ends every practice, every training session, every game with bands. And I think the last outing we had, he threw real well. I think he threw um, six innings. I think he threw his max 80. I think he ended up throwing like 87 pitches because he was on his very last batter in the sixth inning. Yeah, let him and, go. Let him go. And, oh, exactly. You know, I think they, I think once, I think you can't start a new batter at the max limit but if you start with like one or two before then you can finish it you know and he struck out 12 and then as soon as the game was over got in trouble with his his head coach which isn't his dad because as soon as the game was over they went and shook hands he grabs his bands and goes over on the fence inside the 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 diamond and starts doing his stuff and the debt the the head coach is like whoa you need to come over here with the team and and we got to talk about the game and he's like i can't I can do it from here, you know, and you got 12 year old stand up to a grown man, which I found that was awesome. You know, he's like, yeah. I gotta do, he's like, I gotta do my stuff. I gotta do my recovery stuff so I don't get hurt. I can right. hear you. I can hear you. And those are little phrases that I like to give kids to explain to the, the coach, like, look, I hear you. I respect you, but I need to take care of myself in this window mm-hmm. so I feel good, you know? And right. I, I, totally. I take, as, as you were being an ice guy, I was an ice guy in college too. But looking back on it now and, and doing the research, and I'm not—I don't remember who put the article out. I think it was—it was probably Driveline. They put out some pretty amazing stuff. Driveline or Modus or some, one of those guys, just talking about what ice actually does, and it makes total sense to me because when I would ice, I would be the freaking you know our trainer was the the full we were the four bag. It was front back. Yeah, yeah. back on the elbow, you know, with the wrap, you're, you were Michelin manned out, you know, you couldn't do Everywhere. anything. You tried to put your jacket on, but you didn't even drape, you just draped it over it like it was a cloak. It never worked, you know, but for a lot, I just specifically remember, you know, I was a D2 guy too. So I, I remember those long Saturdays, you know, I'd go to dinner with my parents and you know, we're talking, you get there at eight, you leave at five or six and I might've thrown the first game, but we'd go to dinner seven, eight, whatever, and I get home, and hours afterwards, I still don't feel the same. I still feel tight. I would still right. feel almost cold, you know, like just – it just didn't feel normal. Not till the next day would I really start feeling like my arm would feel better, you know? That's funny because my 
freshman year, I did I did ice. I was the ice guy, and I listened to I think it was Tim Linscombe. It was, he was in his like big prime. They just won like their second World Series. He was like, I don't ice ever. I'm like, what? Like I grew up being told ice, ice, ice. What are you talking about? Well, I kind of researched it and looked it up, and I think he had an interview about it, and it made total sense. So I actually purchased bands. And I use those. Well, I've probably purchased 20 bands and lost every single one. So, <laughs> by the way, you can I get those keep... on my website, by the way, everybody, if yeah. you need another pair. <laughs> Absolutely. They, but I mean, the thing is, like, once I start understanding what the bands do and just to get that lactic acid out of your arm and your elbow, regardless of how you throw, just being able to stretch that out. And how ice, like you're saying, ice will definitely like tense up your muscles and make them, it condenses your muscles to a point where if it could actually tear if you want to throw it or work out the next day. But the, the whole idea was the bands helped me in my routine before and after a game, kind of what you're saying. It's kind of funny how those mesh together. And I've been teaching the younger guys I'm working with that, you know, even if you do like the simplest bands workout you can find, just like, please do those after you throw. Um, I'm not too big on like before because um, I, you know, they do the different stretches, which the static stretching is a little different nowadays uh, with all that research. Like you're saying, the more um, dynamic movements I feel like are more helpful, but the, the, um, where I'm getting to, I lost my train of thought, but the the whole idea is that the bands uh, help me further my career, though actually harder. Uh, I know obviously it's different for each person, but I incorporated bands. If you see, I don't know if I put it on any of the workouts on my page, but those are actually in my warmups and after I work out and I don't even throw very often anymore. So uh, just when I'm giving lessons. Yeah. So it's pretty funny how those just stuck with me forever. And I like the idea, I haven't really heard anybody say that, but just kind of starting at a young age, getting the habit. I like that idea, so I might steal that from you. No, go for it. That's the whole point of this. I want to put it out there for people, you know? Um, and so, okay, So, and you said you're not, correct me if I'm wrong, you said you're not big into bands before they throw? Um, before, um, I obviously I do the certain, there's certain band exercises I do. I don't do the full plyo before the game. I'm big on the um, external rotation and the uh, internal rotation. I had, I did those four games, but uh, for some reason, that was just personally myself. Uh, I just kind of relayed that to some guys I work with, but uh, personally, I did more bands after the fact because I didn't ice anymore when I was in school. I didn't ice after the games, so because I did the more of the bands. Uh, obviously, my research on the bands aren't as like in-depth as you and I know, I think, I think it's Premier or somebody on that I'm talking to on um, Instagram. But the before, I just try to get the kids as hot as possible, dynamically, whether it's running, or um, I, I really enjoy the towel drill before a game for some reason because you're not putting any stress on your arm. You're just you're, there's a little bit of resistance in the air with the towel, and that way you can get your mechanics fundamentally sound and before you start getting on that mound before the game okay so i'm gonna uh send something your way and, see, and have you try it let's have you try it and then see what you do on your athletes because okay. like the efficiency of warming up i think is 
the key for a younger kid to make it a habit. You know what I mean? Right. Like right. simplicity Absolutely. and efficiency. So what I actually have my guys do is we do four easy exercises, mm -hmm. um, but we do it for multiple reps. And we do them a little differently than – I do them different than Jager, than everybody else, but that's just mm – -hmm on feel and then my own research. I'm not saying it's the right or wrong way, but I haven't had any complaints with the guys that do it. And and I have guys that do it this way. I have guys that do it the other way where they just do kind of, and I'll explain it in just a second. But basically what I'm trying to do is create a pump situation in the shoulders, okay? And so when we attach our bands to the fence, instead mm -hmm. of going around the wrists, uh, I just, for some reason, I, I've done the, I've read the research. I understand from Jager and all them, you know, uh, take away the forearm so it's a little bit more shoulder dominated when you're going around the wrist. But I'm a big believer in connection and having wrist, and elbow, shoulder connection and be able mm -hmm. to train that. So yeah. what we do is is we grab the bands with our hands. We 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 do a low row with both arms and we mm -hmm. pinch our shoulder blades. And then the key to this is instead of just getting there and letting go. We hold it for 30 seconds. Now, what's been explained to me and what I feel is after about six to 10 seconds, your body realizes that it's under tension for a longer period of time and it shoots blood into, it changes where the blood is primarily going to and sends it into the shoulders. So if when I do that for 30 seconds, then I let go the release. Every kid that I've worked with actually feels it on one rep and the, they feel a little bit of the swelling back there. Then as yeah. they keep going, they do another set. We do two or three, just depending on the age and the time frame that we have to work. But we normally do three. And then by the time you get to the third one, you feel a real nice pump in the back, right? Then from there, we go to a flat field goal, which is your hands and elbows, like you can see right here, right here. And that's going to attack a little bit more of the trap stare to get that yeah. warmed up too. We're going to do the same exact thing, try to get the elbows past the shoulders so deeper as you can to hold it. And then we'll do that two to three. And we rest about 10 to 15 seconds in between. And then the final one is we do a field goal hold with our arms are at 90 degree angles right there, but with a little external rotation where you're trying to get your hands to go past your shoulders. They're trying to get to, to right there. And that last one is probably my favorite just on a couple things. When I'm evaluating a kid, I can see the shoulder stability and it can kind of, I can guess what the athlete is going to kind of throw like based on how much those bands move and the stability of the joint. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can tell yeah. if the guy's healthy or he has an injury or not, just basically on getting to that, that position. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's funny. Cause I, I've incorporated like the holds in my workout plans, but we were, when I was in, like my, I think it was my senior year, our pitching coach got him big into the Jager band. So he bought a ton of us, ton of bands for us. And it was a quick repetition, which uh, I understand that. I do, I like the holds a lot better. Uh, absolutely. The, uh, the quick motion. Yeah. You want to get them, you know, the quick twitch muscles activated. But I think you activate those once you start throwing. So yeah, that's what I felt. I, I felt the same thing when I was in college, and we kind of did the J band stuff too on it. We did all of the dynamic, faster type movements. Yeah. And then in comparison to, we never did it after. By the way, that was one of, one of the things that I noticed in college. Like we didn't do jobs. We didn't. We did all this stuff training on the days that we weren't playing a game. And then the days we're playing the game, for some reason, the bands never came out. There was a bunch of things that were different than practice. And that's, you yeah. know, it goes with the learning curve, the things that I've noticed that that's why I'm trying to keep like creating that habit. As soon as you get to the field, 
you jo- you know, all, all my kids, I try to tell them, I don't care if practice is at 6. You get there at 5.40, give yourself 20 minutes to jog on your own, do your bands, do your exercises that, that we've worked on that you know are helping you be successful. Then if your coach wants to do stand around a circle and do static stretching and you count to eight like that, you're already ready to go. So you're not hurting yourself on what you're doing, you know, and then you're not ruining his plan about doing it after and this and that. So it's always been an issue, you know, with the militarization of baseball on kids growing up, but you, you just can't treat them that way. You know, you gotta, you gotta be able to, to give them the best information possible. Yeah. And, and that's, that's funny that a lot of the kids that you worked with that are younger are actually like, you know, buying in that quick. I think that's awesome. And, you know, I want a lot of my younger guys to buy in. They kind of like, I'm going to go play over here. It's like, man, we're not done yet. You know, let's, let's get, let's get some more drills in and, you know, you want to start throwing more strikes and, but I yeah. like that they're, uh, they're buying in for sure. Yeah. It's, it's cool. fun, man. I've got, I've got a bunch of kids that when they come in, it's not a lesson they train. And it's, it's very cool yeah. how when they get there, I literally, this is what I say to them. I say, Three sets of 30, do all four exercises. Oh, and then the last one is, is a chest fly, by the way, just to activate yeah. the front. Um, yeah. to, to, do, to do a chest fly from there. So I go three sets of 30, uh, 15, um, 15 flies, and then let's go 10 holds and then 10 releases on uh, their weighted balls, even even having younger guys do um, some weighted ball stuff, but not maximum effort. Um, and the holds mm-hmm. that they do, I, I so like how you like to start with the towel drill, um, I, I take the same theory of that, but I go the opposite way because I believe that a heavier ball in your hand, you're more aware of where your hand is. Um, right. So if you, you know, with my younger guys, they'll do a 14 ounce tap ball, which the internet loses their mind when they're when the kid has it in their hand. But they, they have to understand that the kid is under instruction and he knows what and he, he's trying to feel what feels good that day. You know, he's never doing anything at 100% on his throws. He's just doing a throw hold where he's not letting go of the ball, which you can do the same thing with your glove in your hand if you're at the field if you don't have a ball or from there. But just trying to feel these three, four exercises that you see my guys do in my videos in order for them to feel what their body's trying to do that day, how they feel, you know, what they go from there. And after they do the bands and they do those balls, when they get that first baseball in their hand after they get going – every one of them feel good. And that's my whole goal to it, you know, and the kids that I, that are, I would consider at expert level with me, even at 10, 11, 12, all the way up to college, 2021, I'll tell them what to do. And because I try to make them be accountable about what they're doing, I won't talk to them for 15 or 20 minutes because I'm watching them to see if they're going through it, trying to diagnose the information Mm -hmm. And instead of like what you see a lot of guys do where like if they go to throw their ball and it doesn't hit the spot like it's supposed to because I give them a spot for them to hit and it goes up or it goes down, I let them do it three or four times to see if they can correct it. Because that self-correcting feel, you know, it it really gets down to uh, who's throwing the baseball. The kid's throwing it, so you got to make sure that he's understanding and feeling what you're trying to tell him. Yeah, and – uh, that's that's cool that um, with the weighted balls I use I think you use these 14 I believe for a little quick warm up. Uh, when I was in high school, I took one of those 14s and that's how I learned how to throw my changeup. My changeup is what you know got me a scholarship. My changeup I threw hard, but I had something that looked like a fastball and died. I use that for that pronation on that changeup. So 
because it's heavier and you can feel it more often. Um, I basically when I would use the uh, 14 and just bouncing off the wall, a quick low activation for the shoulder. Um, but I think I did I did an earlier post. It was probably a couple weeks ago. I was just sitting at home and I was like thinking, and I think I was watching LB Network or something, and I was just like, um, for weighted baseballs, I never really had used them. Uh, I used just like probably a 14 ounce or an eight ounce and that was it. That's all I had. And I would just throw that kind of warm up with that. Um, but I was, I was just thinking, I read a study. I for, totally forgot what it was or else I would decide it. But, um, when people are swinging for hitters and they're using donut, it actually doesn't increase their bat speed. It decreases it. I don't hold me to it. I could be completely wrong, but that's what I read. I, I kind of like indented it in my brain. Um, so I was just like, why not use like, all growing up, I didn't have my parents didn't have the money to, you know, have a facility for me to go to to train when I was younger. So we had a brick wall, and I threw a tennis ball against the wall. Well, I I saw myself throwing harder and harder. I'm like, this is weird. I actually cracked tennis balls from throwing so hard, which it's kind of crazy. But I mean, they're it's just rubber on the inside. It's not like it's a baseball. They're hollow. But I cracked, and I'm like, wow, I'm I throw hard as heck. So I kind of like stood back. Now that I'm older, and I'm like, wait a minute, did a ball that's lighter than a baseball help me throw a baseball harder? Because I'm teaching my fast twitch muscles to work quicker because it's lighter. So um, I, I wrote a post. It was pretty long. And I was like, does throwing lighter actually increase your brain to teach your body to move quicker because it's lighter? Um, obviously, when I pick up a weighted baseball and I then I go down to a baseball, it's, it feels like a feather. And you're throwing, you know, your looks like your ball is rising, but that was just my train of thought. I don't, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that kind of an idea, but no, I, I like that idea. It's, I've been flirting with it a little bit more. Um, the only issue that I ever ran into with the tennis ball is uh, when I threw the tennis ball or the three point five ounce ball that right. that that everybody uses, um, it never felt good. So it was something mm -hmm. that I kind of stayed away from. I noticed that. Um, my arm motion changed too much to mm -hmm. as if with I had the baseball. So it, I would either overcompensate to get layback or I would sure. undercompensate and not get layback and, and mm -hmm. almost stiff it to go through. And then I, when I would watch myself on video that my throwing motion when I threw the baseball looked so much more connected you know, from there. And then I'll even send it back to you because I understand what you're saying with throwing the lighter ball. Was it throwing the lighter ball or was it throwing fast twitch more often that made you throw a little bit harder? That's yeah. where I think the debate is with everything. And that's really what I like about what Driveline's putting out with like a lot of the stuff, their, their blog posts and the stuff, the people that I'm talking to that are going up there, they're really blowing the doors off on how often that you throw. You know, and, and it really, for me, it makes a lot of sense after I got to play down in Mexico and talk to a lot of Latin ballplayers who, who throw year-round. Who I know guys who threw for 15 years, summer, winter, summer, winter, summer, winter, and, and like never had an arm problem. And I'm asking, I'm, you start thinking about it, you're looking at the body, and then, you know, you do some more research, and you find out that after, I think it's like after 10 days of non-activity, atrophy starts setting in and you start losing range of motion and strength mm -hmm. and it would make total sense when you have this yeah. down when when i'm looking at my issues and when i got hurt 
the down period of the Christmas break, the three and a half weeks from there, is so devastating, I think, to college pitchers, the people who don't take that seriously, who, who go home and they may run and work out, but they don't continue the throwing process as aggressively as if they were in season because the coach says, hey, go take a break. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll kick it back up, you know, January 1 or in your area, you know, March or whatever, you know what I mean, yeah. to – to, yeah. to go from there and and the the strength is there the strength takes a lot longer to go away but the pliability and the you know the the elasticity of the muscles and the tendons and the ligaments are the first to go yeah and and I'm wondering if these kids I I know some guys personally that started the weighted baseballs um, against the wall whatnot and they ended up having Tommy John one kid towards labrum and I'm wondering how much of that is the kids kind of going off, whether it's a YouTube or um, a pamphlet that they order, is that of not learning correctly, not having somebody to direct them that, hey, you know, the reason that your arm's starting to hurt, you know, you open up your front shoulder too early in this drill or or um, you're not pronating correctly or, you know, maybe you should lose a little lighter, uh, lighter of a weighted ball or whatever the case may be. Do you think some of that is – the lack of instruction for these programs? Uh, good question. I think it's two things. One, I think it's lack of instruction, like you're saying, but I think mainly it's honesty and self-awareness with the athlete who's going through it. I think that any... thing that you... Oh, there we go. Anything that you do in the weight room or yeah, stretching or throwing that hurts. If you continue to do it, it's gonna progressively get worse, right? And right. so for example, like how Driveline does their uh, positive disconnection drill, right? And they do it from a very short armed, mm -hmm. and I understand why they do it. They very rotation and to get everything. But I just know when I do it that way, it doesn't quite feel good on my shoulder. You know what I mean? I've done it with lighter right. balls. I've done it with them. So I just modified the drill a little bit, and I have kids do it from more of a full arm arm throw from a full arm swing to get a little more momentum, and I don't have any issues with guys doing it. And when they do feel it, it's mainly on them because maybe they're stopping their hand or they're right. tightening up their shoulder because they're worried about what's going to happen. And so, you know, I get a in order to be able to teach them the feeling and it mainly i you know i dude it's crazy how even with the kids that i'm working with and the people that i talk to and myself including when i got hurt i'd say upwards to 80 percent of the issues are lack of proper warm-up or staying warm right. and you know in a game and, and stuff like that and the day that i got hurt man it was hunting Alabama it was windy it was cold uh, it was wet and it, I dude I spent an hour trying to get loose before and I was already having that tricep tendonitis issue that was yeah. you know misdiagnosed to the training staff they were just throwing ice and stem on it not doing anything to strengthen it to get better and you know talking to our our weight room guy and everything he was telling me you know I was telling him about how it was hurting and stuff like that and he was saying sounds like you just got a little tendonitis you know you just need to rest it but we're going into 
the last it's a very catch 22 situation where you see a lot of guys that don't really are honest with what they're feeling and i think that's what we run into with guys from there but on the same side if you aren't a strong enough athlete mm-hmm. to be able to perform the weighted ball exercises right then you're or you're going too heavy you know, I, I really like the exercises that, that they – there's those drills that, yeah. that, that, that I have my guys do. I think they're very, very valuable is teaching body awareness, what your arm's doing, when to apply force, and following through and feeling the drills in a safer, you know, environment with controlling your stress level where you're not trying to strike a dude out and go for it. And, it, you know, it, so I think it's a combination of, of both things, what you're saying, where it is a lack of education and then a lack of, you know, putting it all together and understanding what you're actually doing when you're doing these drills. Yeah, and definitely I see what I, a point you brought up that kind of my mind's been wrapped around is the tensing up part in these drills. Um, and you see it in weightlifting as well that when uh, these guys are lifting – when these guys are lifting and they, you know, their muscles are tensing up, that's just room for air, in my opinion. And these guys are lifting too heavy, whatnot. But like, I think a lot of that just tensing up too early. You see the guys that throw very well, and whether it's pro, college, high school, their bodies are loose. You can tell that there's no tension in the arm. They're just loose. I was always told that I have a quick and loose arm action, and. I took a lot of pride in that because, like, I worked hard to be flexible, to be strength, uh, to be strong, and I like that point that uh, you'll tense up in some of these drills where that causes a lot more tension than you even imagine in that arm. That it's a delicate, it's a delicate muscle, your shoulder. I mean, it's it's a ball and socket joint, I believe. And I didn't learn. I, I'm not a, a doctor, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it can be dangerous. And what the lack of instruction and not having the, the proper athleticism to do these drills, whether, you know, you're a late bloomer or just don't have that athletic ability, uh, it can, it could definitely have some bad news. Yeah, I, I do. I totally agree. And that's where, you know, I really struggle with doing online programs because I feel, I would feel terrible and accountable if I had a kid do an online program and he went out and did something that I was going to tell him. And I wasn't there to help him exactly. process the information. And then he got hurt. Like that would just be, that would, that's not what I'm trying to do this for. I'm trying to do this because I was an unrecruited dude who basically got hurt listening to people tell me how to throw the baseball, even though my body was telling me this was not the way to go about it. And then got hurt, rehabbed all the way back and touched 96 and was like, okay. Yeah. What what I was doing was not exactly conducive before, but what I did to get myself back to that point, you know, and and I don't, you know, I don't know what your your thoughts are on Olympic lifting and and stuff from there, but you know, it, it's there's it seems like there's a divide on the internet. You're either here or you're there. You know, you're either exactly. you're one way or the other. And I've always been like, well, why can't you do every? Why can't you do everything? Or why can't you pick and choose what you feel? works for you and go from there and that's really what i'm trying to do i'm trying to go okay look here you go here's your stuff let's use these weighted balls and and control your intensity control your output power and and be able to apply that same feeling 
onto when you're doing a baseball, when you're doing a shovel fire, when you're doing a running gun, when you're on the mound, and then let's rehab the body to get stronger so you can handle more stress and and be able to train more so we can raise this velocity number because it's exactly. you know I don't know if you know how it is there in Kansas but it definitely seems like it's pretty universal you know uh, people a lot of people don't understand that if you aren't throwing a certain speed you're not going to get there you know and it unfortunately like for the people that are out there 88 is not good enough like I, I hate to be that guy to say it you know but it, it like it's it's a good number like I'm not discrediting the number what I'm seeing guys and then the people that I know because you know a lot of kids in America are only getting one side of you're getting the American side right mm-hmm. I I have a friend who has two kids and three years ago when the kid his son was 15 his son was 15 he was throwing 94 now he's Dominican he's from the Dominican so he's throwing 94 and then his 12 year old was throwing 88 89 and I was like you got to be kidding me and now granted the guy is He's six four, long arms, you know. Yeah. But I, I, so I just asked him point blank, yo, what were you? How do you have your fifteen year old eighty eight, and how do you have your twelve year old at? I'm sorry, your fifteen year old at ninety four, and your twelve year old eighty eight. And he's like, dude, they've been throwing since they were in diapers, and it wasn't mm-hmm. ever like throw to a spot. It was like, dad's twenty feet away. Can you make the throw? You know, yeah. like, and then yeah. he would like he would mimic his body on how to like shuffle and throw and show them what to do you know what i mean and and so watching that and seeing all these dominican guys come through and and you know what like it's not like the the dr has it figured out like there's still plenty of tommy johns down there on on lack of information and stuff like that down there too like there's plenty of dudes that i know down there that have had it but in the same sense there are still a lot of those guys on the top end who stay in the big leagues and have long careers Mm-hmm. without issues you know yeah and i mean you see that in kansas i mean we're obviously when you touch a number it's it's a big deal and these guys around here they think everybody thinks they have the answer i'm i try to stay away from like this is the right way because you know i'm, I'm younger i don't i don't know i mean i've i've done some trial and error myself but how do i know that this is going to work for the kid down the street when he's got he's six five and I'm six one and I weigh half the way he does, it just doesn't make sense to me. So kind of get into the the Olympic lifting, what you're saying. Um, I incorporate those into my plans. I do personally, and then um, depending on the the kids that ask me questions, I had some kids ask for workouts on Instagram, and so I was like, okay, how often are you in the gym? Um, explain to me, you know, how you do this lift, what whatnot, and. Um, I'm not huge on when you're in the gym, I don't know where the gym I go to here, if you're in there with a cutoff, head on, you know, and lifting as much as you can with the worst form, that's just injury waiting to happen. Um, I'm not trying to stereotype anybody that wears whatever at the gym, but the whole idea is we all know that guy. Yeah, but we all know who he is. The whole idea is I was that guy that I never lifted a lot, so I was kind of self-conscious to myself. It's like I'm not going in there going to be squatting 450, um, but I'll, I'll do the you know I'll do 200 correctly, you know five sets of six, and I found that that was more beneficial to my body type and myself because when I got on the pitching mound, I was throwing around my body like 
my whole aspect of pitching is you're throwing your body weight. You're not throwing 450 pounds on your back and throwing a baseball. Yeah, that does help in strength if you're doing the lift correctly. Um, if if you're you know you're breathing correctly, there's so many aspects to weightlifting and even throwing a baseball. I was that guy that when I threw, I saw in the pictures I could tell I'm holding my breath. And I know I probably could get a two, three, four more mile an hour just by breathing out correctly on the um, release of the ball. So I learned how you know teach myself how to do that. That but affects location too. Right, exactly. And I mean, you see that in basketball. You see LeBron, you know, breathing, you know, standing right up and taking deep breaths, and that guy's playing 45 minutes a game. So just with the with the weightlifting aspect. Yeah, I do the Olympic lifts, but I'm not that guy in there throwing six plates on because I don't want to arch my back in a deadlift. I don't want to, you know, I don't want my leg and my knees to collapse in a squat. I'm going all the way to the ground and all the way up. Yeah, I'm sorry I have 135 on, but I guarantee I can beat you in any, whether it's a race or throwing a baseball. Like, it's just, that's how my mentality has always been. It's not yeah, how much you lift, it's it's how well you do it. It's more, yeah. well, was it quality over quantity is my, yeah. is my idea. I, I, the more a lot of those the uh, training guys that I get on here, we talk more and more about like that ability to um, get under load is what I believe these strength training guys call it being under load, and then right. being aware of what your optimal load is for what you're doing. And and um, I've been doing some experimenting with some workouts and stuff like that where I'm squatting and deadlifting. shoot five six that you put on your body and your first two weeks are kind of crazy because you you know you get kind of stiff um and then from there then you realize that your body and your brain is very pliable and adaptable to its environment so then things just start quickly becoming looser and easier it understands that it needs to stay in that attack mode more often so you just kind of feel better you know and it's it's yeah. very it's very interesting uh, and cool when when I get to that point, I'm excited to kind of implement that in some of the yeah. things that I've learned with that into our summer training with our guys because I've got some guys that just you know one I think anybody can play college baseball at any level you just have to be honest and aware with what your ability level stacks up to those guys and if right. you you know if you hope to get there you won't because you're not looking at it in a very honest pattern to understand I throw 89. Who on this team throws 89? Nobody. Everybody throws harder. Okay, then I'm not there yet. I need to be throwing 90 right. at least like these guys. And then even then I try to explain to some of the college or the high school kids, I'm, look, you don't want to go to a school. You can go to any school you want. You want to go to a school and play. You want to play yeah. the game. You don't work this hard to watch somebody else put the jersey on and play, you know? No. And and that was, that was what kind of like discouraged me not getting a lot of innings because I was like, what, you know, I was throwing hard, but I mean, I don't know, Paul, I don't want to get into like politics or anything with whether it's sports, but the, I didn't, I looking back now, I could have done more. And that's like my, like my least favorite thing ever to say is admit that I could have done a little bit more. Um, but I don't regret anything that I've learned or done. Um, it got me a degree in, got me a job and now I'm doing something I love on the side and hopefully that you know keeps going but kids they want to obviously hit 90 that's the, the magic number uh, throwing hard that's going to get you the money the scholarships um, and that helps but it, it, the mind 
having that mind and the mentality to go up there and, and throw it hard um, is big. And kind of this has been in the back of my mind since you uh, since I started talking to you about the kid that didn't know how to throw hard. He kind of just went through the motion. Thought that was pretty cool that once he started throwing hard, yeah, he started feeling some things in his back shoulder, but he's going to see such a big improvement because um, he's throwing hard. And that's I like to incorporate that in all my workouts and uh, try to trick the body as much as I can and being able to stay athletic and not get to the point where I'm overloading on everything and maxing out all the time because I want to have that that um, whole idea of being able to throw like six, seven, eight innings consistently and having the correct form. That's just my whole philosophy. And I tell kids that ask me questions um, that are in high school, since I didn't have that guidance and I, I didn't start technically working out until my junior year. And I started seeing drastic changes in my body and my um, ability on the field. But the whole idea is doing what's comfortable for yourself. If, if a, a workout that I told you to do is not comfortable, let me know because I don't want you to get hurt and I'm not there spotting you all the time. And what I, what I uh, listen, I listen to Joe Rogan as well. And he said that he doesn't max out ever. I thought that was really interesting. So I was like, all right, I'm going to start doing that. I'm not going to max out at all. I'm going to do, you know, six sets of six. And so I, I mean, I've been doing that. And actually for a little guy like myself, I've been seeing changes just because I kind of switched it up a little bit and didn't go, you know, three sets of five heavy. I switched it up on my body and now I'm, I'm lifting heavier and, that's just my whole philosophy. It, it, it all comes down to how motivated are you? <laughs> I mean, yeah. no matter what, no matter what you're doing, I was that kid that's uh, self-motivated. So I always throw quotes on there that pop in my head and make a cool little graphic because I do graphic design. So I throw that on there. And if kids find that interesting, then I'm doing my job. And if they're like reading that quote on a you know Tuesday afternoon and they're like, okay, maybe I should go hit the gym, then, you know, I'm, that was my whole goal here. And Dude, I, I totally why. agree. I totally agree because I, I feel the exact same way you do about like the quotes and the motivation and stuff like that in there. And then I switched it up probably years ago. I stopped – oh, man. Wow. Probably – yeah, probably when I first started rehabbing back, I stopped. I, I really stopped uh, – um, uh, maxing out and was just trying to get to what felt heavy that day or you know I kind of had a guess of what my max would be but I just noticed that the muscle and the strength and then the performance side were so much better I didn't have as much a bad time recovering you know trying to do you know I don't know to, you know, I don't really consider one rep a max. I really consider like a two or a three rep a max. And yeah. even then, like, I always felt like I wasted the day. You know, I'd be like, all right, we're going to squat max. Okay. And then you do it and then you'd be like, well, can I do some other stuff? And they're like, no, you can't. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, now what? You know, and they're like, well, you recovered again. And I'm like, oh, well, I just feel like I wasted three days of that timeline. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's the cool thing about like not maxing out is, yeah, sorry, I don't look cool at the gym, put it on plates, but my form looks good. I feel good. I'm able to do six, seven, eight, nine lifts and, you know, whatever, however long you're there. 
and you're able to do those lifts efficiently, yeah, it's not like super easy weight, but when you focus on what muscles those workouts are actually intended for, what those lifts are for, what they've been studied to do, you'll see the more, you know, more improvement on your performance on, on the ball diamond. And, and that's why uh, I try to do um, lift, cardio, lift, cardio, lift for five days. My cardio is playing basketball for an hour or two hours. Like, because you're, when you're shooting a basketball, you're working that wrist and, and you're, you shoot your dominant arm. That's actually, you're doing almost a, you know, a shoulder raise. You're um, like a shoulder press cut. It depends how you shoot a ball. I, I'm not saying I'm like LeBron out there, but <laughs> it, helps with, it, helps with, it helps with my athleticism to you're sprinting down the court, you know, you're jumping. I mean, basketball is probably one of the best sports to play for athleticism. So yeah, I try to, you might as well keep it fun when you're, you know, you're working out. So Well, plus we're not really That's, playing anymore. I mean, I know a lot of teammates that got hurt playing you know, playing ball, but playing basketball right. and stuff like that. But that's because it, it come down to the same thing. They weren't being smart about it. Uh, they weren't keeping yeah, their paint, getting yeah. a rebound, come down, step on a guy's, you know, foot, roll an ankle, you know. But, yeah, I agree. The start and stop motion and the athleticism of that whole thing. You know, I, I play a little ball around here too, but it's never – you know, I don't, have, I don't have the quality shoes to go out there and show these guys what's going on. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> right. I, I try to. I've been playing with some, like – 30, 35 year olds, and these guys are freaking dominating. So I don't know hey, what the heck's going on. What's up with guys that are 30? I'm 32, man. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, I'm, <laughs> I mean, they're like, look at this young guy out here. And they're like, well, you're fast. I'm like, well, I mean, I was an athlete. So, <laughs> but yeah. I, no, I'm, I'm not dogging anybody. I'm almost 24, and I feel great. This is the best. I mean, I feel in better shape now than when I did when I was playing baseball in college which is unbelievable. I was playing catch the other day and I was like, Hey, like, is it okay if I open it up a little bit on you just to see what the difference in? And like, I mean, my body felt more in tune. Um, just, I think it's because I've been studying more of biomechanics of throwing a baseball anyway, but I mean, it's just crazy how when you kind of do the more research and teach yourself, then, you know, there's more results out yeah. of there, but it's pretty well, crazy. That goes back to what we were talking about before about being motivated, being, you know, trying to learn, get the education up on everything. And I get DMs all the time. I'm sure you do too. And and that's why I created a YouTube channel because I really got tired of answering a lot of those questions. And I want to like, be like, oh, how do I throw harder? And I'm like, just send them over. I'm like, dude, there is so much free information you can do on your own time over here. Why don't you go over here, watch some videos, listen to some podcasts. You know, I've got my, you know, long toss strategy on how I do it, you know, and I, and that's why, like, if you go to my YouTube channel, I put like how to throw my cutter. I'm not, it's not the best cutter. It's not this. It's just, that's, this is how I do it. And this is, I see success with it. Give it a shot. Give it a try. If you like it, great. And if you don't, it's not a big deal. Like you're not going to hurt my feelings. Right. You, know? And, you know, like it, it really isn't that, that big a deal on it, you know, but you get, I get, Dude, I had a guy the other day that saw one of the younger kids doing a way to like DM me talking about child abuse and he was going to call the cops and all this stuff. And I was just like, first of all, Canadian, let's just relax. You know, <laughs> like it, it's not like the kid's doing well, you know, and then his next outing, he, he gets nine out of 10 batters out 
and hits a bomb. Like, okay. Like, I understand the kid's eight, you know, but he's yeah. just got better education and training going on than the rest of this kids in his little league. And now I'm even pumped for him, too, because he went from the place that I work at has their own travel organization. I'm not even a part of it. I just ran out there. It just works out best for everybody. And he was a lower tier guy on his eight year old group. They have two different teams. They have a good, they have a, a, a team and a B team. And right. he was like a lower guy on the B team. And since we started working, he, his velocity went up. I got, okay, this is crazy. I think it's awesome though. I got an eight year old who can shuffle fire 55 miles an hour. And he started at 42 and he's fine. And it's That's crazy. It's athleticism. It's, strength training it's you know and he's been consistent and he goes out he had an immaculate inning and they didn't his parents didn't even know what it did know what it was they were like he threw nine pitches and struck three guys out i'm like uh that's awesome like that's, that's one of the perfect. best things you can do that's one of the best things you can do as a pitcher you know and, and it was like hardest, that's, one of, that's the hardest thing in my like that's hard the closest thing i've ever done that i've gotten to seven twice that's it that's the closest i've ever gotten you know, and of course, like it was my fault, you know, on the eighth pitch. Like I was like, all right, here we go. Oh, one, here we go. And you bounced it. Great job. Yeah. Great job, John. Really, next, really, you, you were really the next one. Right there. You got the yeah. next one. Yeah, no, that's exactly. pretty So, but, you know, and it just came down to everything that was working well for him. You could see it. We could see the radar going up. You know, you could see the velocity going up. His, his just, but the biggest thing was his overall confidence and a, and his understanding of what he was doing, what he was trying to get his body to do, just went through the roof. And it was just it, it just became second nature and easy for him. And then I take that and look at how like my buddy who is from the Dominican that has two sons that throw absolute cheese, and it just seems like, oh, well, they just started earlier getting better information because his dad was a big leaguer. And his dad throws hard, so he's just showing them what they're what he's doing, mm -hmm. you know, and, and staying on top of them every day. And so it really just makes me wonder. And I ask you this question too, because I'll give you my opinion on it afterwards. But do you think that anybody can throw ninety miles an hour, or do you think that it's genetics? Anybody can throw ninety, man. That's that's a pretty tough question. Um, I would say. I threw, I hit 90, so, and I was little. I, I'm a little guy, so, I mean, I, I, I mean, in my opinion, no. That's my opinion because the reason being is some people have athleticism where they, it's just not there. That they can't physically get to the point where throwing a baseball at high velocity is in their genetics so yeah i would say that's it's more genetics than anything um all my brothers and i throw pretty decent but it, i think it's just a lot of it a lot of it is starting at an early age uh, you see you see a lot of kids 9 10 and 11 year olds that are way higher developed than some like the recreational kids that i help a little uh, that i umpire you see it's just unbelievable like their level of development has, I don't know whether it's the parents teaching them or did it click earlier for them, but I would say most of it is genetic, genetics. But the scientific part of me wants to say, well, you're human. So if, a hum if one human can do it, then 
it's possible for another person. So that's, I mean, what's your take on that question? Yeah, that's, that's a pretty tough question. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's one of my favorite to ask, to ask like, you know, guys like you and other people in the, in the pitching community. But I honestly think after me getting hurt, the people that I've been around that I've seen with things. And then even like with seeing these success stories in the internet with stuff. And I think anybody can throw 90 miles an hour. Now here's the issue that I think you're getting your head around and what you're looking at is that it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when I think that the, mm -hmm. the time period to which that these people try to get to is, is the issue. You know, if, if you're starting at a freshman in high school, and doesn't matter what your velocity is, and, and you're an average guy, you're probably going to be behind on that amount of time to increase your velocity to get to 90. The, you know, that four years is still a lot of time. Yeah. You know what I mean? But right. looking at the guys, like, for example, Aaron Hicks, this this dude, I, I, I did a little research on him. Um, I, I got to go back and read what I was saying and, and see what I found. But you can find stuff on these guys now because of the internet on the history of stuff and dudes are just training earlier. And this was yeah. one of those guys, you know, I mean, he's 22. He was, you know, let me, let me see if I can do a quick Google search on him. But the kid was always an animal. He was in the, you know, it's obvious he's in, he's in the uh, weight room. Hold on, let me see if I can find him. Aaron. Man. Yeah, I believe he – I mean, I think he's into Pio, too, I believe. I'm pretty sure he is, too. Well, Cardinals are all into it. The Cardinals yeah. are huge into Pio's. Yeah. They do them differently, though, too. They don't do them the same way. They do them a lot of – um, uh, a lot more – I think they use the 7- and 9-ounce ball – uh, more than more than a lot of guys on like a long toss day and develop. But also that goes back to trial and error. Certain guys doing certain things, you know. Right. Um, it I can't find the article I was looking at, but anyway, but it just made sense, you know. That he was they're talking. I think he's like a second rounder, second rounder. Um, you know, he was throwing like ninety six out of high school and like all of that stuff. Um. Just it, it, you just hear that formula so often. Like he was throwing hard in high school. He was obviously right. throwing hard before that. He looks like he's in the weight room. You know, he's got giant legs, really Nasty. big shoulders. You know, which I think that that's a very underdeveloped thing in in baseball players and pitchers. Is um, oh here we go. It came up. Um, it, you know, I think big titanium strong shoulders are. Oh, I'm sorry. He's 21. Sorry. So even uh, better. <laughs> yeah. He's uh he's from Houston, Texas. Uh let's see. Drafted. Oh, let's see. Signed with Tulane, but was drafted in the Well it doesn't say when he's drafted, but he signed for six hundred thousand, so you know, uh obviously top 10 rounds you know what i mean right, but sure. he's always thrown hard his era is always good he's always had that pitch you know with his movement and stuff um but anyway that's either here nor there but there's there's just an example of a guy and and that's where i that's where i think it comes in for the point i was trying to make it's obvious this guy started at a very early age training 
And I think that the training side of baseball is so underdeveloped. And, and I'm sure it's like this in Kansas, but over in San Diego, yeah. you know, even the travel organization that I'm, that I'm, the place that I'm at, I don't know coach with them, but the place I'm at, I just see weekend after weekend after weekend after weekend of these kids playing. And I don't think that's a bad thing because if you look at the rest of the world, they kind of doing the same thing. I think what the bad thing is are these one ball practices that they have twice a week leading up to it. And why reason why I call it one ball, because that's if you if you watch it, and I'm sure you see it at your rec league, plays at one, you know, and the guy hits it, you know, and there's yeah. just lack of efficiency in the practices and stuff. But it 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 really makes me question, and I'm hoping to, you know, have some clients that I can long term research this where it's like okay cool you've gotten stronger these are the things that we've done to get you stronger to get your legs stronger to get you you have your arm path down you have your rehab you know what you're doing we're going to continue with your weight and things from there and like i said this little kid that's throwing you know he's he's shuffle firing 50 to 55 and i think he's touched 57 you know at eight by the time he gets to 12 he might be 65 70 off the bump and and already know what to do and and he's gonna sorry he's gonna have a cutter he's gonna have a change up yeah. he's gonna have a two seam you know it, and he's just gonna be ahead of everybody you know what I mean yeah for sure and that's cool like I mean to your cutter it's like my like my change ups my like my go to and it'd be change up nation if it was <laughs> if I could but dude the but, story uh, behind that cutter nation thing is so but, funny. Oh man, the the story behind that's so funny. My my first start in the Pecos League when I was rehabbing back, um, we play this team. I think I struck out eleven, and um, you know it was like my first real game back into it after you know basically two and a half three years of not playing, and it was so funny that my my catcher just kind of blurted it out. The team we were playing, we all went to this wings place after the game that was sponsored, but you know, they sponsored the game. They were going to feed the players after the game. So we go to this place, we sit down and we're eating wings, having, you know, talking about the game. And I think we won like five to two or something like that, five to one. And one of the guys in the opposing team walks over and he's like, okay, we have a debate. Can we talk to you? I'm like, sure. What's up, man? And he's like, did you throw 65 sliders today all at like 88 miles an hour? Because we're all confused about what the hell you were throwing because nobody hit it and nobody knew what was going on. And I was like, I was like, before I could say a word, my catcher just jumped in and like being the cocky guy. And he's like, cutter nation, baby. Cutter nation. Yeah. Like, can I steal that? I'm going to steal that. That was good. Like, you know, you know what I mean? So it just kind of evolved from there. So shout out to Joey Friedman, my catcher. He probably doesn't even know I remember that story, but it was such it was a very impactful moment, you know, like you, like in the movies. Yeah. <laughs> All right, That's man. Well, I've funny. eaten up a lot of your time. Um, you got any more questions for me or anything? This was this was great. I feel like we had a good good conversation, you know. Nah, man. I'll I'll jump on again whenever you need me to. We'll continue the conversation for sure. For sure. I'll, I'll definitely, I have an idea that I think is going to be cool. I can have up to eight people on this format. And I was thinking about getting a nice round table where we could yeah. talk more, you know, the more good, the more good brains that we get into this, I think we can really divulge into some awesome, cool ideas and, and share some information because, you know, uh, you not being an affiliated guy either, like myself, 
there's definitely like a boys club kind of thing going on in the affiliated world where you see multiple guys and all this stuff going around. And then you get the rest of those amateurs really trying to figure out what these guys are doing and we're seeing it and with the internet and slow-mo video and, and, and a lot of these resources of people putting out this great information, you can kind of start breaking it down and realizing that, okay, this guy's been doing this for this long and what's working and, and how that's showing his performance level. And, you know, Robbie Rowland is one of my, one of my yeah, buddies that I really, really enjoy his take on a lot of stuff with that because he's kind of, you know, in the similar boat, he's in the indie world. He's trying to get himself back. He wants to throw a hundred, which I'm excited about. You know, I got another buddy, Fabian, um, uh, Roman, Roland, Fabian. Hold on. Let me see. Anyway, but he throws a hundred. He was on a, uh, pitching ninja video. Um, let me pull him up real quick. If you don't, if you don't follow him on, on Instagram, it's Fabian Roman. Okay. And he went to a tryout and it was 98 to hundred and didn't get signed. Uh, by affiliated teams and but it made sense when we started talking about it afterwards he was a fastball slider guy and so nowadays like we went to a met we went to the mets um padre series and the mets ran out two rookies both six eight both 90 to 96 and they were relievers as rookies and and long-term long relief guys but the, the first guy was 6'8", 90 to 95 or something like that. But he was four-seam, two-seam, split, slider, change-up. Like, like he had everything. It wasn't a two-pitch right. guy. And then the next guy came out from the left side, 94, 96, two-seam, slurve, change, split. You know, like he threw the kitchen sink too. And so we started talking about it. I'm like, dude, you might need to show other pitches besides your cheese and your slider, which I'm sure he's been getting away with. Like, And his slider's like – 84 like it's like from 98 to 84 like you're gonna be a day early you know what i mean yeah. so it was i showed him this i showed him how to different speeds on that 100 yeah yeah exactly then then he i taught him the cutter we kind of it was kind of cool we did a facetime live like coaching session where i was like okay Show me this. He threw it. I saw it. I'm like, okay, that means that your hand wasn't turned enough, or you weren't releasing it the right right way. And he figured it out. And then he then his cutter got to eighty to eighty eight to ninety one. I'm like, bro, listen, listen to me. You go out and show that. You show two seam, four seam cutter, slider like that. You're good. I, yeah, like, who's not going to take you? And you can locate it. And then he goes back out to another tryout. Now he's possibly going to Korea because he ended up impressing the right people and all within like a two week time span. And I'm pumped for him. Like I, I'm going to follow him online. I'm like, dude, you like, I hope that you just kill Korea now and go do your thing. And the next thing you know, you're in the big leagues and he's got a fro and he's like, a, yeah. he, he considers himself a model. Like he's hilarious. Like I wear him out all the time. Like he posts his most recent photo is him and shirtless with like a hood up over his shoulder with like, like a dark shadow over his face trying to be a model man Ooh, if he was in college you know that thing would have been blown up by like 10 oh, by yeah. 10 that would have been a, in, the, in, in the locker room you know 10 by 10 like have you seen this model on the mound you know but he's a good dude man he's a great dude that's awesome man well next time you have me on we'll go we'll go deep into the change up um sounds good I'm more on change up than i need so when i mind sharing it next time but no, for sure. That's awesome. No. I had a blast. Um, follow me, CN Pitching. 
Um, you know, we're putting out some stuff every day, workout plans. Um, I'm just trying to get stuff out there for kids, man. You know, get them, get them in the weight room early. Um, or if you're in the South Kansas area, hit you up. Yeah. You're in the Kansas city area. Let me know. Um, I'm not expensive. I promise. So if not, sometimes I do pro bono. So just let me know. Um, you have any questions, John, you as well, just let me know. And I look forward to being back on. Definitely. We'll, we will definitely get some, another change up. Uh, I, I just had a cool idea. I'll, I'll share it with you off the air. Don't go anywhere when I sign off. Um, yeah, no problem. but, uh, and definitely cool idea that I think for a round table thing, but all right, guys, check him out. CN pitching on Instagram, DM him, check him out, check out his website. Um, check out his, Oh, you don't have your website listed on your Instagram, by the way. No, no website right now. Um, we're getting it up and running soon. Oh, okay. uh, right now, just rolling with Instagram, socials where it's at. So, we're so, so we're, yeah, cool. Yeah, so just check him out on Instagram from there. Send him a DM. He always has great posts. I'm, I just reshared one of your uh, – oh, and another one. I like this K-Zone. That's a good one. Um, I, I'm a big repost fan. It's easy and it's awesome. fun, especially when you find cool stuff, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, all right, well – one last thing, don't forget to check out my online store. Subscribe to my podcast. This will be on iTunes too. Uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel. There's awesome videos on how to throw all my pitches. Uh, and then we'll definitely get some stuff here with my man here soon. We will get I'm excited about all that stuff in the future. But if you got anything else, man, you want one more shout out? Anything else? Nah, no shout out. A uh, shout out to my fiance, Rachel Worth, last day of school. She's a third grade teacher, so Great job this year. First year teaching. So looking forward to many more. Great brownie points. Yeah, shout out to my fiance too. She's amazing. We're, we're right on, she, right on. She, loves, she loves to be on my Insta story. And like, yeah, uh, give, yeah uh, I give them the credit, man. They're, the, they're behind the scenes. Oh, for sure. She deals with my drama all the time. All oh, the yeah. time. <laughs> all right, man. Well, uh, if you don't have anything else, then there's one more thing. Don't forget, throw hard. <laughs>